0: Hello, I'm Dominic Hart, the sports editor of the National in Abu Dhabi. We have seen a story in football over the last 48 hours, but even by the standards of that sport, have been absolutely cataclysmic. It started on Sunday night when plans were revealed for a new European Super League featuring the biggest clubs around Europe. There were going to be 20 of them in this new Super League. Initially, 12 teams signed up that's six from the Premier League, who were Manchester City, Manchester United. Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham and Chelsea. From Italy, there was going to be Juventus, AC Milan and Inter Milan. And in the Spanish giants, Real Madrid, Barcelona and Atletico Madrid also signed up. Eventually, there were going to be 20 clubs in this European Super League. There would have been five who could uh, win promotion into the league. There would have been another three selected as as of this stage. They didn't know who. But the big problem for football, and this is one of the key points was that there were going to be no relegation to the 15 founder members. Now, the only problem for the European Super League was football was horrified. That's the rest of football. Fans protested. FIFA, the world governing body, were up in arms about it. UEFA, the European governing body, threatened to throw some of the clubs out of European competition, including the Champions League. There was talk of players being banned from the European Championship and the World Cup. The players themselves didn't like it. Liverpool put out a statement, a joint statement from the players, led by the captain, saying we we don't like the idea of this competition. Manchester United did the same. Marcus Rashford, one of their key players and Star Striker, voiced his disapproval. So within 24 hours, things started moving. Within 48 hours, uh, the clubs started withdrawing. First of all was Manchester City, late last night, then followed by the other five Premier League clubs. It now looks like the teams in Italy and Spain are reconsidering their options. It appears now that the European Super League is dead in the water before it even started. With me today is Andy Mitton. He is our European football correspondent at the National. He's been all over Europe covering football. Andy, welcome. How on earth did football get to this?
1: Crazy, Dom. Well, I was preparing to cover Manchester United-Burnley for the National on Sunday and when the story broke. And Nobody at Manchester United knew about this. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer was only told 20 minutes before kickoff. He knew absolutely nothing about it. And he's Manchester United's manager. And his priority was to prepare his team for the game, to get into the Champions League to win the football match. And he wasn't the only one caught in the headlights when he was asked to comment on this. My first reaction as a journalist was, nothing is permanent in football. How can you safeguard positions within a league it just seemed wrong to me straight away and we've followed football for a long time we've seen teams rise and fall we've seen Porto Red Star Belgrade win the top competition in Europe and suddenly you've got Tottenham Hotspur being invited into a competition having never been champions of Europe and one of the reasons we love football is because teams go up and down Manchester City were a third division team incredibly well supported one when Manchester United won the treble in 1999. Leeds United, European Cup finalists in 75, semi-finalists in 2001. They played third-tier football within the last decade. And this is what makes sport so enthralling. And as Pep Guardiola quite rightly said, you need that element in sport. So to have a closed shop like you get in some American sports, that was the great appeal to the owners of these clubs because they own World renowned brands but they don't actually make that much money out of them and in the pandemic it's been brought to a fore they've started to lose money so you have Barcelona, Real Madrid with huge financial problems looking at the Premier League with slightly envious eyes no matter how well the league tries to market itself and then you have the American owners of Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United basically wanting more stability not having the risk of having to qualify for the Champions League, which is finishing in the top four in the English Premier League. And then if they don't, seeing a huge dip in their, their revenues. But it completely struck the wrong note with everybody, with the fans, with the players, privately, because most of them couldn't really speak out because they would lose the jobs. With the government, I was particularly struck by Boris Johnson the UK Prime Minister, who I've never associated with being a football fan, come out and talk about changing uh, legislation straight away, so to stop this this happening.
0: Being no doubt that we don't uh, support it and uh, support the creation of this European Super League, I think it's uh, not in the interests of, uh, of fans. It's not in the interests of, of football. How can it be right to have a situation in which you create a kind of uh, cartel that stops uh, clubs competing against each other, playing against each other properly, uh, with all the, the hope and excitement that gives to, uh, to fans up and down? The country, I think, it offends against the basic, basic principles of, uh, of of competition, and uh, if necessary, uh, in order to protect that principle of competition, we will uh, seek, as, as I said uh, to uh, to the, the bod- those bodies earlier on, we will seek a legislative solution. Uh, but we hope that uh, they can find a way forward uh, themselves. And
1: Gary Neville spoke very passionately, and I spoke to Gary several times in the last uh, few days about why this should not happen, and it built and built. And I sense that the people behind this, the clubs who you mentioned, they knew there was going to be opposition to this. They've seen opposition before. The Glazers have seen protest marches at Old Trafford when they took charge in 2005 in a very unpopular, highly leveraged takeover. And I felt they could probably feel they could ride out the storm. But the storm kept growing, UEFA were very strong in their position. With talk of, leave now. Don't play in the Champions League semi-finals next week. If you're Chelsea and Real Madrid, you're out of the competition. Now, they never needed to be thrown out of the competition. Fans were furious, all fans. I spoke to Liverpool fans. And Man United and Liverpool have got this huge rivalry. They don't like each other. And there was so much common ground. There's even talk of coming together. Chelsea fans turned up outside Stamford Bridge to protest and it built and built over a day and a half and then you started to see cracks in the coalition. Rumours that one or two clubs felt that they'd been coerced into signing up for it. The timing could not have been worse. Now, the story was leaked so this really caught the clubs off guard. It was leaked on Sunday lunchtime and then Chelsea... And Manchester City were the first two clubs to crack and to pull away. And they were praised for that, just as Pep Guardiola, the Manchester City manager, was praised for speaking out about it. And like a giant iceberg, it started to carve itself up. Ed Woodward, Manchester United's leading suit. He's resigned. He's fallen on his sword. And he's the leading suit, but he doesn't wear the trousers. The trousers are worn by Joel Glazer in Washington, in Florida. These are the people driving this. They're quite comfortable with the American system for sports, with words like franchises being moved from city to city. This horrifies people in Europe. You do not move Watford to Luton. You do not move Leicester to Nottingham. You do not move Manchester to Liverpool. It just doesn't happen. And when it did happen, when Wimbledon became the MK Dons, people were horrified about it. Now in the the US, it's happened
0: you you, you raised some very interesting points there, Anthony. Do you think it's an indication that some of the owners in the Premier League and throughout Europe are simply not in touch with the fans? Or is it that they're in touch with the fans and they're not really interested in their opinions? They're not really interested in their
1: opinions. They pay lip service. Now, you use the word owners and you're quite right there because there are a lot of very good people actually working at these football clubs at a high level, who work really hard to build bridges with fans, to communicate with fans. I see the relationship between Manchester United and Liverpool supporters and their respective clubs, Manchester City as well. And there's genuine dialogue, which wasn't there even 15 years ago. There's been big progress made on key issues like ticket prices, like ticket allocations. and But that's just been domestically. The problems are still happening in Europe. So you see in FC Barcelona charging Man United and Liverpool fans €120 Euros for the worst tickets in the ground and then going, what's the problem here? Why is the outrage here? They're so out of touch. And this is Barca more than the club Barca, the people's club Barca. Completely out of touch. So you're still getting these problems in European football. And UEFA, who were right to kick up a fuss this time, they're not really loved by the fans either. They're, they're out of touch with with, with the supporters. So... Liverpool's owner, John Henry, he apologised last night. I want to apologise to all the fan supporters of Liverpool
0: Football Club for the disruption I caused over the past 48 hours. It goes without saying, but should be said, that the project put forward was never
1: going to stand without the support of the fans. No one ever thought differently in England. Over these 48 hours, you were very clear that it would not stand.
0: We heard you.
1: I heard you. Did he join Liverpool Football Club and buy Liverpool because he was in love with the history of the club? No, he didn't. It was it was an investment. Football opened itself to capitalism a long time ago. Now, they've done a very good job. They've rebuilt Anfield. They've built the main stand. Liverpool have won the league for the first time since 1990. They've become European champions. They've got a fantastic manager. They've built a great squad up. And they've done it pretty organically. And Liverpool fans like their owners, the Glazers have never been popular among Manchester United fans. And what you saw over the last couple of days is it wasn't just the fans. It was Every stakeholder in football was absolutely appalled. And it just built momentum. Well, I think it's, it's
0: interesting that they were all kept in the dark about these plans. Um, that's significant, I think, because they, they must have predicted how badly they would have gone down when it was released. Now, do, do you have any sympathy with the owners because clearly like many businesses last year has been extremely difficult. Uh, Football is a multi-billion pound sport. The players command salaries of up to £300,000 a week. They have to be able to sustain it. So is is there a case for giving them uh, the benefit of the doubt over some of this? There's a case for proper governance
1: in football, for financial fair play, actually meaning financial fair play, so that these clubs with turnovers of up to a billion US don't lose money, so that the players are not the only beneficiaries, because you're getting huge amounts of money flooding into football, primarily through broadcast, but also through commercial. So the days of football clubs being reliant on the fans who actually turn up at the stadiums, they've long gone. That's a depreciating percentage season after season. And some of the ideas within this, uh, such as uh, a salary cap, I can see that there's a good point to that. I can also see, I don't, I find myself really conflicted with this. They feel that Man United should be playing Barcelona every season. And it is weird that Man United meet Barcelona more often in friendly games in the United States than in actual competition. And I can see that argument, but I'm, I'm conflicted and I'm a hypocrite here because when Man United do play Barcelona or when Liverpool do play Real Madrid, because it only happens once a decade, it's really special.
0: I'm with you then. yes. Being a fan of a, of a smaller club in Watford, it's, it's, it's the big occasions that you look forward to. If they're on a week-in, week-out basis, surely they're going to lose lose some of the glamour and some of the appeal. Yeah, and
1: and the clubs firmly believe that, no, this is the way forward. And you've got to look at why the different clubs were drawn into this. And I spoke to people in, in Italy and into Spain. There wasn't the anger against the idea there. Why? Because Italian football has fallen from its perch. In the 1980s, it was the top league in the world. The grounds need investment now. AC Milan are nowhere near the power that they were. There's a bit of desperation among football fans, and this is another problem which can work either way. Football fans are addicted, and the owners know this. So when the Glazers took over Man United and there were all these protests, the stadium was still full the following season. They can't walk away from from the addiction. And football fans also are sated by results. So I've seen protests against... Barca's last president because results had not been good but then Barca won the following game and the one after that and the one after that and they did an eight game winning run and the protest just melted away so you know fan, fans don't always help themselves the Italian clubs are desperate the Spanish clubs need a way out of their financial crisis all the clubs have suffered the English clubs are better placed than most the Spanish and Italian clubs are worried that the English league is becoming too strong. They're worried that in the future, Messi will not stay at Barcelona. The next Ronaldo will not be at Real Madrid. And there's already examples at a lower level where I see small Premier League clubs in recent years, uh, Bournemouth, Swansea, able to go to really big European clubs like Marseille and Sevilla and take their goalkeeping coach, and triple his wages. And there's there's a lot of money in the the Premier League. And the Premier League more or less works. It's attractive for many reasons. I think the English language helps. The, The competition, the full stadiums, that never say die until the 90th minute, the fact it's seen as being a clean league. They all really add. And you've got these clubs with fantastic histories of triumph and tragedy, like United, like Liverpool. They are global brands. And that's why the owners bought them, but they're trying to milk the cow too much. And they've had, they've had a rude awakening.
0: Some of the key players in the proposed European Super League were saying this is a plan to rescue football, to save football. Now, finances are clearly out of control. Does something else need to be done? Do they need to restructure football? Does it need to be the salary caps? Does it need to be a different competition?
1: I think you look at the way German football is structured. There's a lot of positives with that. I think fans need to have a a bigger input rather than lip service just being uh, paid to them. I think financial fair play, if it is done properly, is a good thing because otherwise, at every level in football, not just the top level, clubs get carried away by following their dreams. And I've seen semi-professional clubs in England go to the wall because you will have one benefactor coming in spending too much money, the club lives well beyond its means, it rises up a couple of of leagues, the benefactor leaves, the fans are just left to pick up the carcass of a club that's been living well beyond its means, and you see this repeating itself all the time, it shouldn't be allowed to happen.
0: Uh, You mentioned briefly Ed Woodward, the executive vice chairman of Manchester United, he resigned yesterday, now he didn't wasn't directly quoting the European Super League, but clearly that he was one of the key players to, uh, in the proposals. Are there going to be some other casualties across Europe, do you think?
1: I think there will, because these people have fallen on the sword. It's that simple. You know, Seferin, the head of UEFA, he called Ed Woodward a snake the other day. That's really, really strong, because privately, uh, people in, in football, they may have these views of each other, but to come out and say it publicly, was incredibly strong and he felt undermined that these clubs had agreed to a reformatted UEFA Champions League which is planned to kick in in, in 2 years and yet secretly they were scheming and plotting to do this new uh, European Super League and they released it at 10 past midnight on Monday morning the timing looked so amateurish the graphics looked so amateurish And Ed Woodward, who's always been under pressure, I think he's handled the pressure well and he's been incredibly well remunerated uh, for that. And he absolutely has his qualities. I've interviewed him twice, done big, long interviews with a man who does no interviews. And commercially, he's very good at bringing money into clubs like Manchester United. And despite United failing on the pitch, commercially, they remained uh, trailblazers for a long time. But he's fallen on his sword. He realised his position has become untenable and I think you would have to see others in the same position. Florentino Perez, yes, but he's the president of Madrid. He's actually still quite popular with Real Madrid fans. He's a, he's, he's a very wealthy man in his own right. This isn't Ed Woodward where he's an employee of other people and there's different political schisms in each of the countries. yelli he's a scion of the Fiat family. His family have been involved in football for, for close to 100 years. But he was the main agitator here he can't go back to UEFA cap in hand now you just can't do it you can't walk away because the trust the trust has been shattered
0: well the, the sense of betrayal in football is 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 quite staggering and clearly the European super League misjudged this now what's going to happen next can the other clubs forgive and forget you you mentioned that UEFA have said they've made a mistake welcome back to the fold I'm not sure that the clubs such as the Evertons, uh, the Newcastles, the, the big clubs in the Premier League certainly are just going to say, oh fine, mistakes has been made, welcome back lads, let's get on with it.
1: The trust has definitely been breached, however, they need these clubs in the Premier League for it to work. Everton need Liverpool, they need Manchester United, they need the global appeal. When United and Liverpool are playing, you know, United and Liverpool can go to Melbourne and sell out ninety thousand tickets for a pre-season friendly when they're not even very good. There's very, very few teams who can do that. Fulham, Fulham cannot not do that. So there's a sense of the other Premier League teams hanging on the coattails of the bigger boys and being really well remunerated because they have to be to remain competitive. So that you get results like Sheffield United going to Manchester United this year when the bottom of the league and winning. And that's what makes football brilliant. When West Brom go to Anfield, and I'm a Manchester United supporter from Manchester. I've never hid my allegiances, and I've got great respect for a lot of the other clubs. And I find myself cheering because West Brom have got a last-minute equaliser at Anfield. It's irrational. It's fantastic. There's so many good stories in football. They need to have good relationships with these clubs. What they don't need... Is relationships with the individuals. That's why I think that people like Woodward, they've got to move aside now, because they've been scheming, they've been plotting, and the trust has gone. But the new guy could come in and start with a blank page and say, "Okay, Everton, we you know we know what's gone on. Um, We're we're sorry for what's gone on, but uh, let's work together and make the Premier League more successful." Now,
0: this is the fear I have with football. It never learns. Now, you and I have been around long enough. This is certainly not the first time that a uh, European Super League in some form or fashion has been talked about, has been planned. Is it just a m- matter of time before this raises its head again? Two years down the line, like, like in football, we forget things. Fans are fickle. You forget, you forget about the last manager when the new one's successful. Two years down the line, the new owners, are they going to plan something
1: similar? I think they'll get some concessions. Um, from UEFA, although UEFA don't actually take that much money out of uh, of the pot, most of it does feed through to the clubs florentino Perez the chairman he's seventy four years old will he be around in ten years' time scheming for real madrid i don't i don't think um, it, he will be football history does repeat itself fans do have short memories. I think if they were to launch the same idea again in two years, they'd be well aware that there would be a a huge backlash. So I think you'll see some changes, some moderation. I'd like to think that fans um, were were taken more seriously. They probably, probably won't be at a serious level because what are fans? You've got this huge group of billions of people from many different demographics. And I did a poll the other day on my personal Twitter what do you think about this? Are you in favour of it? Is your attitude, let's wait and see, or are you against it? And 80% of people said firmly against it. But 11% of people were like, well, I'm quite interested in this. And I had correspondence from Man United fans who've never been to a game, but they're now the majority. The, The fans who go to the matches are now in the 1%. And they actually quite like the idea of the Super League. Now, they've been browbeaten, and they've been brushed away, and they've been kicked out of the room This time, but Man United's priority and Liverpool's priority and Tottenham's priority, it's the global markets. It's getting the numbers and monetizing those numbers, which they've always struggled to do because of counterfeit products, because they struggle to get people to sign up to pay to watch on television. But they're starting to get success now, they're getting success commercially. The big markets for them are China, India, United States. They're making inroads, but they can make much, much bigger. Inroads into those markets. I think the Woodward's comments about protecting the, the Premier League domestic competition. I think people are pretty happy across Europe with the domestic competition. They like the local rivalries. It, you know, not everybody can be in a Super League, and a lot of these clubs in the Super League, their global fans are attracted to them winning. But teams also have to lose.
0: You have to lose to make the winning so such a sweet moment. Of course. It? Otherwise, the whole point of football is removed.
1: And, and you have these different demographics where you go to Man United or Anfield, and even when things are bad, the fans there are pretty supportive because they know that sometimes you, you lose. But now with the global fans who've only been attracted to winning, to, to the super clubs, it's they see things differently. And I saw at Barcelona at the start of of 2020. Fans global fans, not the fans inside the stadium. And I'm in the stadium, I'm seeing what's happening. Utterly outraged because Barca are not winning every game 5-0. <laughs> because they started supporting Barca when Pep Guardiola was manager, when it was probably the best team ever, and they cannot understand why they are not destroying Getafe 5-0 and how how they have the audacity to be knocked out of the Champions League by Liverpool and Roma. So they petition and demand, demand, demand that the, the manager sacked, and he gets sacked. And that manager, Valverde, was an exceptional manager, was very popular with his players, but they bowed to international pressure. And that's really dangerous. If Man United listened to their fans about the players, they'd have no players left within one month.
0: <laughs> they'd all be sold. it yeah, would. Really. Well, Andy, thank you. It's a fascinating story, and it's It's going to rumble on for a few days, a few weeks, probably for a few seasons. And we'll catch up again soon.
1: Thanks, Dom. Good to talk to you.